Bridger Bowl Snow Sports School Director Shannon Griffin shares her love for Bridger, gives us some great ideas on where to go exploring at different skill levels, and some new changes for this season. Shannon Griffin, I'm the director of the Snow Sports School at Bridger now. I started skiing Bridger when I was, I think, five years old. Uh, my stepdad was a ski patroller up there, and then when I was 14, my mom actually got hired as an instructor, and that's how I got introduced to the world of instruction and uh, would tag along with my mom on clinics and things. And so I've been around the ski school for uh, over 20 years now, which is really fun. I started teaching when I was 19 and then taught for a couple years, but didn't really make any money. So I quit. And then after two seasons, I was like, well, if I, if I just make enough money to pay for the gas, it'd be totally worth it to be an instructor again. So I did. And that was when I was 24, I went back into instructing and that year I got my level one again. And then the next year I was started going for my level two and uh, that's when I fell in love with skiing, and it's been kind of my life ever since. The terrain is just phenomenal. You have everything from easy beginner terrain to steep technical shoots and trees, and there's cliffs, and everything that you could want accessible is right there, and it's only 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from town. We've had some expansion of terrain to the Slushman's ter territory, so we've got more ridge terrain that's lift accessible now, which is really cool. But other than that, the spirit really has stayed at Bridger of being a community area. It's that, you know, it's our backyard. Hmm. It's where we get to go play. When we added in the Slushman's terrain, the Forest Service required us to open up our boundaries. Um, so there are access gates now on the ridge to go both north and south, which we didn't have prior to the Slushman's terrain. With that side country, which is really truly backcountry and very dangerous, we've definitely seen uh, more avalanche casualties and only one person so far has passed away on saddle since we've opened up that terrain. But off the backside, there's definitely been some and uh, it's, it's a little scary, but still cool. I mean, nice that that's accessible now. Um, whether we'll ever have more access um, is debatable. You know, if we do expand more, we could expand more to the north, but that's a lot more uh, terrain for the patrol to have to mitigate on a, you know, daily and hourly basis. They already manage over two and a half miles of ridge terrain where they're chiseling off the cornices and everything actively every day. And you know, if we were to double that, that's a lot more terrain with not much more skiable access. Technically, if it's out of bounds, it becomes search and rescue. So if it's search and rescue, that can take, you know, a lot more time. We do have search and rescue members on our patrol staff. So oftentimes they do get called in and our procedures are to then start shutting down parts of the mountain because we can't have people both out in the backcountry and enough people on the mountain to keep it open. So if there is ever something that we're called into for search and rescue, that means that we have to shut down parts of the mountain, most likely. If you go into the backcountry, you're going into the backcountry, whether you accessed it by your lift or not, you're in the backcountry. You need to be prepared to survive overnight and do all those things. There's no avalanche control. I mean, you know, we do work all the way up to those rope lines and then that's it. And anything beyond that, 
You need to be very wise and smart and have partners and know how to use your equipment. First of all, we have an awesome new beginner area. We A couple of years ago, we were able to expand the lodge that we house our snow sports department in, as well as we put in two new magic carpets, or excuse me, loading conveyors that have covers on them. And then we moved our beginner chairlift. So we have this private protected area that's away from the rest of the mountain for beginners to start learning on. And so our little beginner area with the sun dog and flurry conveyors and the snowflake chairlift are great for that um, to get warmed up. And then the base area, both lifts of the base area offer great green terrain access. Virginia City is the easier of the two and gets you directly to the easiest of the lower mountain runs. And then Sunnyside chairlift is a quad chairlift that gets you some access to some of the steeper greens, you could say. So the steeper train. Once you're ready for that, then going up to Alpine. Alpine, as you're looking at the mountain from the base area, it's our farthest chairlift to the right-hand side. You know, it starts halfway up the mountain and then goes up and it offers runs from green terrain to black diamond terrain. And the cool thing, the Alpine chairlift actually used to start in the base area. where the bottom of Sunnyside chairlift is and go up. And it took about 20 minutes to ride up. And my aunt and I would always practice my spelling homework on the chairlift and then get off. And there's a run called Montaigne's Meadow. And we would take the North Meadow Road over to Montaigne's. And it's this beautiful green, long, just fun, easy, gorgeous with all these big, massive Douglas fir trees. And it's just magical over there. So it's one of my favorite places still to go. Most of your experienced skiers are going to be headed straight for the Bridger chairlift or over to Slashman's. Um, And so Alpine is this kind of protected area that a lot of people think is just too easy, but it offers some of the funnest terrain as well as some of the best intro to tree skiing places uh, just with the way that when we've cut out some of the dead trees to kind of glade some of the areas, the pitch of it is just perfect. So you can get off into a little bit of powder and then go through some trees and then come back out onto groomed and feel safe and comfortable, which is one of the best things for teaching. There is really no easy road off of PK or off of Bridger. I mean, you're off of Pierre's Knob, you're looking at a, a pretty difficult blue, actually. Like there is no easy blues off of Pierre's knob and then definitely no easies off of Bridger. So it's fun. A little uh, intimidating if you haven't been there in a while and come back and it's like, oh, wow. It's steep. The classic hike from the top of Bridger is still there. Uh, first, you know, first couple times of the season, it'll take probably 20 to 30 minutes to get up. And then some of the faster people will be, you know, 10 minutes to climb. I think it's 800 vertical feet. Uh, and then off of the top of Pierre's Knob, there's the Fingers Hike, which is a shorter hike, probably at most 15 minutes to get up to the fourth finger. And the fourth finger would take you back down into the South Bowl, whereas you could also um, head to the south and go to the meadow there, which would then take you start taking you down into the Slushman's terrain. And Slushman's then, um, there's a short hike from the top of Slushman's if you wanted to head back north. Um, otherwise, from the top of Slushman's, you can slide out onto the ridge line and actually see Bozeman if you slide off to the left. 
With the Bridgers being a north to south range, we are really affected by the windward side and the leeward side. And when you get up to the ridge, you can definitely see that the windward side does not have as much snow on it as the leeward side where it gets deposited. We get to enjoy that. The cold smoke comes in for a couple of different reasons, but the with the Bridgers being north to south and you know our primary climate current is going to move from west to east. So with that, the Bridgers just kind of catch the air masses. And so clouds have a harder time going over. And for some reason, we get this long, I believe it's called lenticular. I could be very wrong on that. Um, but it's this long cloud that hangs over our ridge line that we refer to as the BBC, the Bridger Bowl cloud. And the Bridger Bowl cloud can be a huge blessing where as you're driving up to Bridger, you're driving up north through the canyon and the wind is just howling on the canyon road but once you turn up Bridger sometimes it's still howling in the base area but once you get under the edge of that cloud if you look straight up and you're under the edge it just goes to being quiet and so any snowstorms that come through there it'll just start dumping straight down instead of being caught and blown away and yeah it's it's pretty cool. Because we are on Forest Service land, any school that operates has to be, you know, commissioned by the Forest Service. So we have three different snow sports school services. One is BSF, uh, Bridger Ski Foundation, and that is the race program. It's not affiliated with Bridger, but they are appointed racing kind of program. And then we have Eagle Mount, which does our adaptive. And then our snow sports school operates And normally, on a normal year, we've been running over 2,000 kids per year in our youth programs. Um, We do have over 5,000 kids in our ski PE program every year, and then tons of MSU classes and our adults programs keep us really, really busy pretty much from the beginning of January through mid-March. This year is going to obviously be different. We won't be offering our programs, which is going to be sad, but at the same time, it's going to be fun to focus on smaller groups and working with people that in a different way. We're focusing on private lessons and with our private lessons, we're going to have a maximum of five participants allowed so we can keep those groups fairly small. And then uh, our group lesson offerings this year will be a max three. So there will be a maximum of three students in any group lesson. And that way, you know, looking at it, we're trying to not impact the lift lines. We're trying to not impact the slopes. And we can have two people per chair and not take up much more space on the mountain. When you get larger class sizes, it tends to make larger lift lines. I see a lot of opportunities. I'm actually really, really excited about it. One, with the smaller groups, everybody's going to have more one-on-one time with the instructor. So there's going to be more time for feedback as well as I've increased the length of the lessons. So there's going to be more time for the practice within that same day, rather than waiting for the next week and that next hour and a half or two hours, you'll be able to practice more and get that ingrained more on a safety side What I'm really excited about is the focus on distancing, as silly as it is, obviously with four to six-year-olds, this is something we have to focus on because they're kind of like kittens and they just pile up on top of each other and we can't have that. So, you know, we talk about spacing with little kids a lot, you know, and creating your bubble and having an elephant between you and someone else, but bringing that even into adults and starting to really recognize, okay, what is six feet? And are we maintaining six feet when we're here standing and talking? 
And then to be able to translate that into, okay, what does 15 feet look like? And you should never be passing somebody closer than 15 feet. So to be able to take that idea of distancing and start to really ingrain that into our students to hopefully really affect culture and create more spacing on the mountain when people are passing each other is one of the focuses I'm really excited about. (laughs) Something as instructors, we're really good at being aware of our group management, but this is going to help us focus on making that awareness in our students. So we can really start impacting because it's scarier and scarier out there on mountains, no matter where you go, how fast people are going and how closely they are passing people. I don't know who started it, but a couple of years ago, a campaign started at 15 feet, you know, and distancing for passing. So hopefully we can get into people's head what six feet looks like. And I think society needs to be able to practice that a little bit more right now. And then, so take that and now triple it. You don't want to be closer than that when you're going around someone. Stop leaning back and stop being on your inside ski. I mean, inside and back is where most people live because that's where it's easy. And that is, you're going to have a lot more fun if you actually stand in the middle of your ski and on your outside ski. The reason why that position is so hard for little kids is because their ankle strength, they don't have the ankle to keep the their heavy, heavy upper body over their toes or, you know, moving forward. So they're going to use their bigger muscles, which are then located in their hips. So you're going to see really straight legs with their hips back and then they're hunched forward at the shoulders to try to get that balance. And we always want to be coaching them towards having that bend in the ankle so that their knees are over their toes, but it's going to take until they're six, seven, eight at the earliest before you really start being able to see that. And if habit has kicked in, like it has for so many of us, we just start leaning back because we've found that we can definitely get things done while we're leaning back. I would say 90% of the people are too far back, but then you go through the overcoaching and then people get too far forward and then they're constantly too far forward for a long time. And so it's this big balance. If we could get people to figure out that they need to stand on their whole foot Or you could also think of it, if you didn't have your skis on, would you still be standing up? Because if your body is too far back and behind your heels, you wouldn't be standing. But with tools on, we can definitely uh, invent more ways of standing. It's always fun to watch people before you even open up your mouth. If they're coming to a lesson, you can tell so much just by watching them walk towards you. This was my first time in nine years that I had a summer because normally during the summer I go down to South America and I teach in Chile, in Portillo. Uh, So getting back on snow is going to be amazing. And then uh, with COVID, with what we're planning at Bridger, there's going to be less people on the mountain. Um, So going back to just having those days where you're going to get fresh lines for a couple of days even possibly, which how cool would that be? And then the focus on safety. Uh, I think it's just a really cool opportunity to shift mindsets and work on the teaching skills and the people skills to help set the safe environment. Yeah, I I just see it as a whole bunch of cool opportunity as well as I was able to take this time and just completely kind of flush what we used to do and bring in these longer lessons so that my instructors and the, all of the guests get more time together 
um, working on things rather than it being rushed. So I'm really looking forward to that. There are so many blessings in disguise. I think the hardest thing that we're dealing with is more people and people not having grace and remembering that we're all going through this and we're not making these decisions to make anybody's life harder. We're actually making these decisions to make the experience better. That's been, I think, the biggest struggle. But there's so many cool opportunities that have come with it too. So, so go to bridgeable.com. There's information on just like our COVID plan, what restrictions and whatnot we'll have this year. And when you go to that page, there's just little drop downs so you can look at it by like food service and lodges or tickets or snow sports. And it's just little drop downs that give it quick bullet points. You will have to make reservations this year because that's how we're going to manage not having all of Bozeman show up to us on a powder day because <laughs> that unfortunately would not be very COVID friendly. So yeah, great information on the website. And it's going back to the throwback days when your car is your best lodge and you get to eat lunch on a chairlift rather than in the lodges. And yeah. You know, there's something great about that. Yeah. It's like, you oh, don't, it's you don't so wait, cool. It's, it's all about the skiing really. Yeah. And I, I had so much fun as a kid. Like, I'm, I'm excited for people that aren't familiar with ski culture and ski history to get a little bit of what the roots really are, how, how we actually got to where we are, and then to enjoy the luxuries next year when we do get to give everybody hugs and high fives and pack it in at the lodges and have apre. It's going to be great next year, but this year will be fewer people on the mountain and lunch on the chairlifts. <laughs> That's awesome. Visit bridgerbowl.com for more updated information on the ski season and come back to the lastbestski.com for the scoop on skiing Southwest Montana Yellowstone region. Until next time, happy trails.